Combo Nation, we are here. Welcome to episode 364 of Combo's Court. Today's show, Wes Goldberg of the Miami Herald, The Ringer, and the Locked on Heat podcast joins in to talk Heat basketball and their current series with the Sixers, which is now tied up 2-2. We recorded it this morning. Hope everybody enjoys. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. on heat welcome to combos court man how is it going in miami oh weather's beautiful here um but uh listen it's a good thing that the heat are coming back here because it wasn't too great for them in philadelphia so uh we're doing fine right now yeah definitely coming off a couple losses miami one of my favorite plates one of my favorite places to vacation um i love going down to miami and i would say when we're talking about the heat is it fair? Let me ask you this. Is it fair to say they're one of the most professional organizations in the NBA because of all those distractions that keep everybody locked in? Eric Spolcher, in my opinion, is one of the best coaches in basketball, if not the best coach in basketball. And heat culture is a real thing, right? Yeah. You know, I hesitate to talk about like heat culture as like this tangible product that we could just apply to everything. But uh, it is an extremely professional organization, militaristic almost. I mean, they have things called like command centers in the arena that the media have to walk through. It's like a different world uh, versus like the other NBA arenas in the league, but it's a good theory on your part. Like that might be the only way to run a basketball team in Miami and near South beach is like, you can't run that team the way that like, I don't know. You you can't run it like casually. There's no way. Like I used to cover the Warriors for two years and that's a much more sort of casual type of thing. And that's sort of their culture, their ethos. I don't think you can get away with that in Miami. You need to kind of tighten things up here or else people might might be able to get into too much trouble. Yeah, it's amazing from a basketball operations standpoint how many players they get that maybe other teams wouldn't think about signing. A lot of undrafted guys. We saw a whole list on TV. It, It is kind of crazy. It's unbelievable. And I was actually doing some research the other day, and I think that there are only uh, like a dozen maybe active NBA players uh, who even started their career, whoever played uh, Division II basketball in college. Two of them are on the Miami Heat, Max Struess and, uh, and then Haywood Highsmith, who's on two-way or who's at the end of the bench for them. And then they even have a Division Three guy in Duncan Robinson who played in Division Three before he got to Michigan. So... They find these dudes, man. I don't know how they do it, but they all have very similar type of mindsets. They are obviously looking for that personality traits in addition to some skill traits. Whatever they do, whatever team psychologists they have, whatever, however they're evaluating these players, it's been working for them. Yeah, Max is a great, is a crazy story because obviously he transferred to DePaul, I think, correct? Yeah, exactly. And I saw him play in summer league. Man, that guy is tough. He could play with the basketball, obviously, as we've seen in summer league, but he's also one of those guys that just looks so fun to play with. Maybe he's not like a savant-like passer, but he makes the right pass off and he can really shoot it, and he just seems like a really fun guy to play basketball with. 
Yeah, I like that def definition of him. I mean, first of all, he's gotten so much better as a shooter than when he was in D2. Uh, he's at <laughs> Lewis University, then transferred to DePaul. Mm -hmm. um, and and his release is just so much faster. He's really worked on his game. And you hear the guys around uh, in that locker room talk about him. And they're just like, yeah, this guy is just, he's one of us, right? Like whether or not you're the star like Jimmy Butler, if you've been there forever, like Udonis Haslam, if you're the lottery pick like Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero, they all have that kind of similar mindset, which is, all right, what's the problem in my game? All right, I'm going to work until I don't have that problem anymore. Uh, or what are the things I do really well? All right, let's double down on those things in the case of Duncan Robinson. And I'll just be the best in the league or, so, or close to it at this particular skill. Well, shouts to Rob for shouts to Rob Fodor because he's a big yes. reason for a lot of this shooting percentage. A great friend of mine. We talk on the phone very often, and it's so great to see all of those players just becoming a better shooter. And it's been amazing just to see it from all these guys who maybe are undrafted or didn't get enough love and respect coming up through the ranks, but just to see his impact on these guys has been yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I was actually asking Gabe Vincent about Rob the other day. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, well, like everybody calls him like this guy, like this shooting coach genius. I mean, like maybe I'm dumb. How many different ways is there to fix a jump shot? Like, tell me like what he like he, he worked with Gabe Vincent quite a bit. And I was like, like, Gabe, what what what's the difference between Rob and another shooting coach? And he just and he basically said it. He explained it to me this way. Um, you know, if you and I were watching me and Gabe, we're watching like a defensive film, right? Breakdown. He's like, I would look at it in a, a certain way and you would look at it in a certain way. And no one way is right, but maybe my way is just a little bit unique. It's just a little bit different. I'm just seeing some different things. When Rob is working on your shot, he's just seeing things that nobody else is seeing. And that's really it. And he's able to like no, not only identify those things, but then have the fix for those things or, you know, uh, tweak those things or highlight those things. Like if they're, if they're the right things versus the wrong things and all that stuff. And he's like, it's just... It's, he's got a completely different way of seeing this stuff than anybody else he's ever worked with. And most definitely, he's not only a great shooting coach, he's a great basketball mind, such an asset yeah. to the Miami Heat. Okay, I wanted to shift to Duncan because we all know about the contract. Do you feel that contract was extra pressure for Duncan? And do you think he just has to be played more throughout the course of these play of this playoff series? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say whether the contract... I, I, think, I think it weighed on him earlier in the season. I do. I think that there is a pressure to live up to that, right? Because you can kind of go two different ways with that. Hey, I got the contract. Thank you. Let me go buy my mansion in South Beach. Everything's like gravy from here on out. But that's not the way Duncan Robinson operates. I actually think that there was pressure to try to live up to that contract versus where he was coming from then. Uh, you know, make, making less than a million a year to making, you know, somewhere around 15 million a year on average. So uh, a lot of pressure. And, and that for his specific job, which is to make threes, which is so much of a mental thing. I do think that weight on him early in was a factor in his early season shooting slump, but that's just me guessing. Um, as far as whether or not he needs to be playing more, look, I, I was really surprised that we did not see him in game four in that loss on Sunday. The Heat have missed 51 of their last 65 three-point attempts. You've got to imagine that had Duncan Robinson been in one or, if both, or in both of those games, that stat looks different, right? Um, that said... Eric Spolstra clearly came into this series having decided that this is not going to be Duncan Robinson's series, that he is fearful of Duncan Robinson's defense, the fact that Duncan Robinson does tend to foul a lot, and that Joel Embiid and James Harden are really good at, you know, baiting in those, in those fouls. He's probably terrified. Like, look, every time Duncan Robinson makes a three, that's probably great for our offense, but he's going to be giving up points and and ones on the other side, and so he's going to be giving those threes right back. And there's logic to it. Um, and, and, I, and I agree to that with that kind of approach to a certain extent,
But I do think you have to draw the line at, hey, well, now we're shooting 20% from three-point range, and we need to get something going in because three-point shooting, you know, you hear guys, you, you, hear, you see one go in, and all of a sudden you're making shots. I think you, that much could be true for an entire team. If you're Tyler Hero and you're on the bench for the first six minutes of the first quarter and Max Struess and Kyle Lowry are just missing every wide-open look, that could infect the rest of the team too. So maybe it would be a matter of just getting Duncan Robinson in the game. I mean, like, all right, this guy's starting to make shots. It's loosening up the rest of the offense, and now we're all making better shots. We're all getting a little bit better looks or whatever it might be. Who knows? All, I don't know how it would have worked out. The Heat might have still lost these games, but I, I, I was shocked that we didn't see a little bit of Duncan Robinson given how poorly the Heat as a team were shooting overall and that they, this is the path. Like, they need to make threes. They were the best three-point shooting team by percentage during the regular season. Duncan Robinson was a big part of that. Um, I, I don't know. That said, I can't imagine them shooting that poorly again. I know that we all said that after game three. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I just can't see it happening. And if we haven't seen Duncan Robinson yet, and then and the Heat, you know, kind of get back to their average uh, of three-point shooting even a little bit, we probably don't see Duncan Robinson going forward. Like, if we haven't already seen him, why would we see him? Yeah, you mentioned Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year. Do you think some of Duncan not playing is that when you have Tyler and Duncan on the floor, it's just two guys who aren't plus defenders, and you would have to mm-hmm. probably stagger their minutes, right? Yeah, and that was sort of the interesting thing in the beginning of the season is a lot of people were saying, well, Max Struess, you know, what if he were to start in, in, in place of Duncan Robinson? And a big reason why they wouldn't do that is because you can't really pair Duncan and Tyler off the bench because of their defense, their defensive liabilities. <clears throat> that said, the Heat still ended up doing it. They didn't overthink it. They're like, hey, Max Struess is just having the better season from a shooting percentage. He gives yeah. us something a little bit more defensively. Let's um, let's go ahead and start him. And look, against other most other second units, you don't really worry about Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Like, second unit guys aren't James Harden or Giannis or, like, these matchup hunting type of guys. They're second unit guys for a reason. Um, so you can kind of get away with that. I think that's part of it in this series. Um, but also, I think that there were pockets in the game where, you know, James Harden is off the floor, and maybe you could play Duncan Robinson in those minutes. I understand not playing Duncan when James Harden is on the court. I totally get that. Um but James Harden isn't playing 48 minutes. There are, there are other parts of the game where you could put Duncan on the floor with Tyler Hero. And for the most part, they have had pretty good success with that. But for whatever reason, like I said, they've decided that they don't want to see that pairing out there. It's going to be interesting to see the trajectory of Tyler's career going forward because he's obviously a guy who looks to get his own bucket. I would say a weakness of his is setting the table. Do you think that's something he has to work on or he should just double down on his strengths? Well, I, I actually was talking with his uh, college coach, John Calipari, earlier in the season for a feature that I was working on. And uh, he told me, and look, I don't know how true this is, but I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a morsel of truth in here. He told me that he would tell Tyler just not, don't pass the ball anymore. Just shoot it because you actually <laughs> hurt us when you pass the ball. That's how bad of a passer he was. Calipari has a tendency to exaggerate things, but point taken. You know what I mean? Um, Tyler Hero, that's not a natural organic part of his game, the playmaking part of it, like you said. Uh, but he's worked really hard on it, and he's gotten so much better at it. And you can even just see over the course of this season, uh, as, you know, he got off to such a strong start from a shooting perspective that teams started doubling him on the ball, coming up to him, meeting him, at, you know, trapping him off of screens and doing all these things. And all of a sudden, he was forced to try to get rid of the ball. Have to, and, and he's gotten so much better, you know, making plays out of those traps for, uh, now versus where he was at at the beginning of the year that that's obviously becoming a, a – he's advancing that part of his game – 
Uh, he's working really closely with assistant coach Chris Quinn on that. I talked to Quinn a lot about it. Um, but it's not a natural part of the, his game. I actually thought he missed a lot of opportunities in game four to get other guys involved out of those traps. The gravity that he creates, the attention that he brings is really important. That is the next step of his game. I do think he needs to work on that, especially if he's going to be, you know, the point guard or whatever at some point. Like if he's going to be a starter on this team, which is his goal, he needs to be able to make plays. That they, they he need his kind of do-it-yourself, I'm going to get my own shot kind of offense because they're such an egalitarian kind of pass-first team. Like, how many times have you seen, like, Kyle Lowry or Jimmy Butler just pass open a wide-open layup just to get a guy involved? Like, they kind of need that, like, kind of, quote-unquote, selfish, even though I don't love that word right now, like, shot creation from Tyler Hero. They need somebody to be that guy, and he has been that guy. For He's so important to their offense because of that. Uh, but if we're talking about his, you know, long-view development, yeah, absolutely. He needs to get much better as a playmaker, but it's something that he's he, he's acknowledging and he's working on. Do you feel that without this team having maybe a top 10 guy like an Embiid, yeah. a Luka, a Giannis, Jimmy is great. He's a tough basketball player. I always think about it like this. Like if you're guarding Jimmy for a whole series, you're going to feel it after that series. Like <laughs> he, it takes his, he takes his toll on the player guarding him, but He's obviously not at the level of maybe those three guys. Does that give you concern with a team looking to win a championship? Or is it more of the mold like the Detroit Pistons won it years ago, right? I mean, yeah. Chauncey was a great player. He was probably one of their best players. Maybe not a top five or ten guy at the time. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, what the Heat are trying to do right now is rare. They are trying to become the first team basically since the 2014 Spurs to win a championship without a logical MVP candidate on the roster, Right. Right. Um, and you can even just look at the voting breakdowns. They have them on basketball reference. Like every team that has won the championship over the like that for the last several years has had somebody finish in the top five or six in MVP voting. The Heat are not going to have that player, just like those Spurs didn't have that player. And so um, I it's hard. Uh, I understand that people and it's a glaring weakness. Hey, you don't have that MVP caliber player. But I don't think that there is a perfect team in the NBA this year. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams with weaknesses. And I think for the Heat. Their strengths are their depth. It's their three-point shooting outside of these last two games. Uh, it's their defense. It's their versatility. It's the ways that they can win. It's their coaching. Um, and you mentioned Jimmy Butler. I like what you say. After a seven-game series, you're going to feel it. I always call him like he's the be he's not the best player in the league, but he's the best gamer in the league. To he's me. a gamer. Like you sure. know what I mean? Like yeah. You, you, you know, you play basketball. Like you're in the gym. You're playing somebody who's just flat out better than you but you're going to raise your game in that moment. And sometimes you're just like, and you could just go to toe to toe in that moment. Like Jimmy Butler's that man. Like he's that guy. He's like, all right, LeBron finals. All right, I'm going to go toe to toe. And he played him almost even. Uh, and you know, he's not going to do that all the time, but he could do it in, in a series when it really matters. Um, and so they need that from Jimmy Butler. That's part of the path. Also the defense um, is part of their path. Getting that three point shooting going is the path. Eric Spolstra out coaching the other coach is part of their path. That's part of their path. Every team has their path. That's Miami's path. It's hard. It's difficult. But winning a championship is hard and difficult. So we'll see. You ever put a thought into how important shooting luck is to just win in these series? Like, look how much better the, <laughs> Ma look how much better the Mavs look when the guys around Luka are just shooting the ball so well. You know, it's so funny that you say that. I was just talking to somebody last night about this. Um, you know, not only did the Heat shoot like 20% from three over the last two games, the Sixers are the complete opposite. It's not even like the Sixers just shot like 35%, like a nice average. They shot 50, 48% over the last two games. So as poorly as Miami, like, I don't know, Philly just like sucked all the three-point shooting powers out of the heat for two games. Like, right, right. It's a, it, it couldn't be more of a variance on either end. And yet, 
um, here we are with a 2-2 series. But yeah, I think, you know, for somebody like me who has to talk about basketball every single day and, and you like how, you know, we have podcasts and we have to, you know, talk about this game a lot. It kind of just comes down. It is simple to say it's a make or miss league, but sometimes it's as simple as, you know, the shots didn't go in. And now we have to talk. We have to find a way to talk about that in an interesting way for 30 minutes or whatever it is. Uh, right. But this game really like the entire game of basketball comes down to uh, on offense, uh, giving yourself just a slightly better chance to make the, to make a shot and on defense, preventing the opponent just a little bit, just, just impacting their margin just a little bit of making their shot. That's really what every, every time we talk about a box in one or this kind of zone scheme or whatever, it's all just to be like, all right, I know you're still probably going to score a hundred points, regardless of whatever defense I throw out there, but it's just making it a little bit harder for you. That's the entire point of this. It's a little bit harder for you to make a shot. And then all this other crazy stuff we're talking about on offense, split cuts out of the post doing this, all that, you know, it's just, just, it's just to increase my margin, just my chances of making that shot, just a smidge, just a smidge. That's what this entire game is. Yeah. It's funny because I mean, we, as you said, we have podcasts and I think times, I think at times we tend to overcomplicate things and you're (laughs) right. At times it's just a a make or miss league shooting concerns. We just talked about it with that set to the side. What are the biggest concerns when it comes to the rest of this series, obviously a big concern is that Joel Embiid is back and James yeah. Harden played really great this last game, but maybe outside of those three things, what are the biggest concerns for the Miami heat going forward? Yeah. I mean this, these couple games, and I try not to overreact to these two games again, like you said, I mean, it's as simple. Sometimes it's just the three point shooting, but the vibes, just the way that the rotations are set right now, very similar to when Miami had their four game losing streak in March, that kind of, it, it, it ended up becoming a really important pivot. Uh, pivot point for the season it was a point that I think could have broken a lot of different teams but it didn't it actually kind of uh revitalized the heat at at a key part of their season um but they were playing a lot of Victor Oladipo back then they were trying to work him in uh their rotations were set in a way that there wasn't creating a ton of space for Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and it isn't quite that bad the spacing and Jimmy Butler did just score 40 so it's not like he's struggling by any means on offense but um, the spacing needs to improve. And that's my biggest concern is um, if you're not going to be playing Duncan Robinson, if you're going to be playing those other guys, like it, the Heat are interesting because their best players are not their best three-point shooters, right? Like their best right. three-point, like that you could argue that the best three-point shooting team in the league sitting on their bench, right? You've got like Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Strews. Well, he's a starter now. Uh, but Duncan Robinson, like all these guys are like 38 plus percent shooters coming off their bench and their minutes are not what they were in the regular season, right? Like they're playing a lot fewer minutes now. And so how do you balance that if you're the Heat? Hey, our best players are these like seven or eight guys, but our best three-point shooters are about, are these like three guys who we have a hard time finding minutes for. That rotational balance is just such a hard thing in the playoffs when you tend to shrink your rotations. Um, that to me is the concern. The fact that the Heat don't have that A1 guy, like that, that they don't have the Giannis who could just be like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go win this game. Um, you know, Jim Butler did his best, but he didn't, you know, he obviously like at the end of the day, he didn't win game four for them. Um, those are my concerns. Um, but like I said, um, the Joel Embiid thing has been a factor. Yeah. I think the biggest deal, the biggest thing with him is how much he's helped James Harden. Um, because now in the first two games, you were the heat defensively. You just keyed in on James Harden, right? You were able to throw a double, a triple, a quadruple team at him whenever you wanted. And you'd be like, well, we're not worried about George Niang beating us. Like that's, Whatever, dude, do do your thing. Even Tobias Harris, who's a good player, they're like, go get your 30, man. We don't care. You're not beating us. We're worried about Harden. 
Um, with Embiid there now, now this defense is multitasking in a way they didn't have to in the first two games where they're trying to do the Harden thing, where they're trying to double him coming off the screens and all these things and um, forcing him in a certain direction and all that. With Embiid now, I mean, I'm sure you watched game four. I mean, just the aggression that they are fronting him with. I mean, that takes so much effort and attention to detail to make sure like, hey, we're not going to let him get deep post penetration here. We're going to deny him touches in the paint and we're going to do it at all costs. We're going to switch everything uh, or most of everything. We're going to front him every chance we get. And that takes a lot of attention to detail. So you're trying to multitask if you're the Heat defense. Okay, let's do this to Joel Embiid. Let's be doing this to James Harden. Um, and, you know, I, I guess we'll be damned if everybody else beats us. But that's a hard thing to do is pay that much attention to detail in every single possession. Um, and I think that's why you saw Harden go off in the fourth quarter is at some point, you know, the defense is sort of broke. Um, Harden made tough shots. Got to give him credit. But um, that, is a, that is a concern going forward. Yeah, that is so fascinating that their best players aren't their best shooters. But I would say Vic does bring an element they didn't have in terms of burst on both yes. sides of the court. And if I'm them, I do not overreact to these two games and I continue to play him. That's just my opinion. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. I didn't mean that they shouldn't. But um, yeah. he's actually been making shots lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's been good. And yeah, like what he does defensively for them. The, yeah. the shot, like everything is. But it's just so interesting. Like he's another one of those guys where like, all right, yeah, we value his ability to drive and kick, right? But kick to who now? Like, who's yeah. he kicking? You know, it's it's so, like, you almost, if you're the Heat, you're like, man, I really wish we could have played six players instead of five. Like, if we could just, if both teams could put six players on the floor, I almost feel like the Heat would be better because it would just unlock one more shooter for them. Um, it's, it's just such an interesting thing. But again, like, you know, we could talk about the Gabe Vincents and the, and the Caleb Martins and the Duncan Robinsons, but if Kyle Lowry's 0 for 6 from 3, if Tyler Hero's 1 for 5 from 3, if PJ Tucker is one for four from three, I mean, none of that matter. You need them first and foremost to make shots. And then you could deal with like, those guys are capable. Those guys yeah. are definitely capable. So let's end with this. What will live look like if uh, Miami wins the championship? <laughs> It'll be crazy, huh? <laughs> That's going to be nuts. Um, <laughs> South beach will be crazy, man. They've, they've done the, uh, they've instituted some uh, curfews recently for South beach oh, in, okay. in case it's getting a little too crazy. They can't do the curfew if the cha- <laughs> no curfews curfews off if the Heat win the championship. It's gonna be crazy. I live a mile away from FTX Arena, um, and I know everybody's gonna be on their balconies with the pots and pans if this thing if this thing goes. That I actually think if they get through this series because this is their first really big test in quite a while. If they get through this series, I don't know that. I mean, Liv is always a little bit crazy, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Maybe we'll get some pots and pans if they get through this series. We'll see. It's interesting. Like to be. The best player in the NBA comparison is wide open and who wins a championship this year is wide open as yes. well. Yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating time for the NBA. And right. this is, I know LeBron what, is like two of the last three years, three of the last four years, three of the last four years or two of the last four years, he hasn't been in the playoffs and yeah. then he was eliminated in the first round last year. And this is kind of like the first time where I don't really miss LeBron, you know? Okay. Yeah. Cause he was such yeah. a star and he was so just synonymous with the NBA finals and with the playoffs. Like, this is the first year where, and, and, you know, and Jokic, who's going to win MVP, not even in the playoffs anymore. And Bede could be eliminated by the end of this year. This run, like injuries have K- certainly KD taken a toll in the playoffs. KD, KD and Kai swept. Kevin Durant. Yep. Uh, and yet there's so much great basketball. There's so much talent. Um, it is such a great time, I think, to be an NBA fan. It, it, it really is. Um, it's just so much fun. And you just hope that, you know, the injuries are, we get less of the injuries instead of more. Um, some of the officiating controversies, I'd like to see that go away. That's kind of been like the, the story that's ruined the second round for me in a lot of cases. But um, at the end of the day, it's a lot of talent. and It's a lot of great basketball being played. 
most definitely. Wes, where can we find your work? Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, on social media, I'm at WC Goldberg on Twitter and on Instagram. And then uh, check out the podcast, Locked on Heat, daily Miami Heat content, Locked on NBA every Friday morning. Um, and uh, yeah, check me out for links on my Twitter. Thanks so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show, Wes. Talk soon. Thanks, man. Anytime. Thank you for tuning in to Combos Court Podcast. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Big thanks to Wes for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, share this episode. Share it with a friend. Share it on all of your social media platforms and tag me. You could tag me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Tag me on Twitter at Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast. C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Be on the lookout for episode 365. Combo out.